Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here this morning. Please take your Bibles to go to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter number two. We have as an acronym. I think that's what I'm looking for. And it basically going through each letter means something. And I got through prayer last week, which is our O, or talk about our offerings and obedience and prayer. And we found that. And then today we're looking at the letter R, which means... Well, actually, it's D, if I think it's right. So, which is interesting, because I spent the whole time developing the letter R, and I realized it's supposed to be letter D. But it's okay. We got it figured out. It's disciplining ourselves to obedience and disciplining ourselves towards the things of God. And that's kind of our, our, our focus on this morning, is being disciplined and being devoted. If I could look at a person in the Bible that I would say was the most undevoted person, I could, go to the, I could go to look at Lot, right? I mean, literally had to be dragged out of, drugged, dragged, out of Sodom and Gomorrah, literally out of the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. I would say that's pretty bad, but the Bible says in the New Testament that he was just. It says that he was just Lot and righteous. I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. I would see someone like Peter. If anybody was wishy-washy, it was Peter. One minute he's there serving God, the next minute he's cussing like a sailor or a fisherman. And, you know, the next thing, you know, he was constantly in that battle of that, of that anybody you can look back in the Bible. I mean, even John Mark, right? He kind of left and he kind of left mission, the mission work, as it were. And Paul had a problem with it. It caused a schism between Paul and Barnabas. And we don't hear from Barnabas really again, really, from that situation ever again. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty bad. But then John Mark was the Mark that wrote the book of Mark. So I'm like, he's redeemable. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. But guess where we find Demas? Later on, Paul talks about Demas in a positive light. In Colossians, he talks about it in a positive light. So I look at this and I'm like, it's interesting. If I could take one person in the Bible that had the most impact on a, on a city, on a nation, but yet the most, the least devoted person, it would be the person of Jonah. And something's fishy about that. So we're going to have a whale of a time looking at Jonah this morning. I'll give you a couple more just before I get started, just because I'm not ready yet. So um, anyways, so this past week, I was kind of telling the girls, I was telling about how things were in a perfect world. You know, they kept saying, you know, in a perfect world, this is what happened. And they said, what do you mean in a perfect world? They said, well, think about it. Snakes weren't always poisonous. And spiders weren't always, you know, some spiders, they're always deadly. Amen. Spiders are deadly. They're not poisonous, but they're deadly. <laughs> okay. Spiders are evil, wicked beasts. All right. But I was talking, you know, I was telling the girls and, and I think it was Sydney. She goes, well, dad, when did snakes become poisonous? I said, well, after Adam sinned, you know, then sin came into the, into the world. And she was like, huh. And then it got me thinking, what would it have been like for two snakes talking to each other, finding out if they're poisonous for the first time? Larry, are we poisonous? I don't know, Bill. Why do you ask? Because I just bit my lip. <laughs> so anyways, that just got me thinking about some silly stuff right there. Okay, now that I'm ready. Jonah chapter number two. Have you found your place there? All right. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. 
aren't you glad that God, even though he was the least devoted person, he still was a child of God? There's hope for me. Amen. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Then thou hast cast me into the deep. Sorry, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and in the floods, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the, to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up my life, thou hast brought my, up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. That's a very interesting verse. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that what I have that I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad for God's grace? Aren't you glad for a God of second chances? I want to talk about that being devoted or being disciplined in the things of God. And there's three things I'll look at that we're going to look at. They all start the letter R that we're going to look towards us today about being disciplined in the things of God or being devoted and making spiritual decisions towards the things of God is when we find ourselves in a place where we have messed up. Have you ever been in a place where you've messed up? Let me tell you a story. So a couple, I was back 15 years ago. My wife and I had just taken the church, uh, just became the pastor of a church in New York. And I was driving through these dark country roads. And if anybody knows me, if I get bored, I'll just get in the car and I'll just drive. I call it exploring. I'll just drive. I could be with my family. And I'm like, I'm tired of the traffic. I'm tired of the highway. And I'm like, okay, girls, let's go exploring. And the girls are like, yay, let's go down the country roads. And my wife's like, let me check my insulin. And she'll see it every time. So my wife's a diabetic. This is what literally happened. We were driving down the road. We were going to go visit some church families. Excuse me for a second. This is slipping. We were going to go visit some church families. And they were way up in the town of Day, like way up in the middle of nowhere, up where those like literally Hatfield and McCoy type arguments, fights in the Adirondacks. It was crazy. It was almost like West Virginia. So we're, we're driving along, and I couldn't find where I was going. There's, this is back when there was GPS. You remember back in the day before there was GPS? You understand my pain. And there was no cell signal. And we're driving down the road. Now, the Great Sacandaga Lake was a, was a man-made lake. They literally took the town. They put it on this side. They put it on this side. And they dug out the valley in the middle. Cemeteries, they left. Fields, farms, houses, whatever, they leveled. And they just literally dammed up the river. And then they created the Sacandaga Lake. So, on one, so there's no passing. There's no, they, they, they did this without thinking about putting in bridges in between. There's only two bridges, like 40 miles apart. So we're driving down the road. I cannot find where I'm going. I don't know where I'm at. No GPS. No, I didn't think about taking a map. I'm like, I'm exploring. It's getting dark out, and it's storming out, and it's worse. There's nothing worse than driving in the mountains than during a, in, in, the, in the dark, and it's rain, right? It could be worse, snow, right? 
So we're driving down the road. I can't find anything. My wife can't find anything. Her, her insulin is like she had an insulin pump and it's beeping at her. She goes, I need to have my insulin. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Her blood sugar starts dropping. And she's like, I'm in trouble. I'm like, oh boy. Now I'm really, now I'm, I'm, now I'm upset. Now I'm kind of worried because I have no idea where I'm at. Make a long story short, I had no GPS. I had no map. Have you been that lost before? Really, the only thing you can do is stop and ask for directions. Pah, said no man ever. And I just kept on exploring, kept pushing and kept pushing. I was like, I'm going to find north. And I found north and I kept driving north and I landed. I drove literally within feet of going into the lake. I found the lake. Go east. I'm good. Go east. And I found my way in. I'm like, huh, we got it good. My wife's comatose. Got to rush to the hospital. I'm good. I found myself out of the woods. When you're in the woods, the best thing you can do is ask the Lord. Find, look up. You know, find your heading. Find north. Find the Lord. It's the one constant. He'll never change. When, you're, when you've failed the Lord, and no matter what you've done in your life, hey, find the Lord and he'll redeem you. He's, there's still redeemable. There's still time to redeem. The Bible says redeem the dime because the days are evil, right? Redeem what we have left. It's not a waste of a day. We still have time to profit. There's still time to get things right. Jonah is in this situation where he made a series of very bad mistakes, very bad choices. And he found himself in the belly of a whale. Can't get much lower than that. I mean, holy mackerel, right? So here's, here he is in the middle of this great big belly's fish. And then from there, he stops and realizes God. But I love that in the passage, he uses words like forever, right? Of old, of forever. He's talking about like his soul has been there forever. It's been three days. But to him, he was there forever. You may be in a bad situation, made some bad choices, but there's time to fix yourself out of those bad situations. There is mercy, there's forgiveness with God. Nobody is beyond forgiveness from God. We're children of God, amen? I'm talking to saved people today. God will forgive us. He's faithful. He's just to forgive us. Are we going to smell like fish? Probably. Are we going to look like a horrendous sight? Absolutely. Are people going to believe us? Maybe not. But he loves us. And he's given us that space of repentance. The first thing we need to do when we come to the situation is, number one, remember. We have to remember. We have to, it's not remember of things, you know, instances and things and beyond, but we have to remember the rock from which we're from. We have to remember who, who made us. We have to remember the Lord. And I know the, the world out there has painted God to a weird picture, but you know what? If we have the word of God and we have had a relationship, and I hate using that word relationship when I'm talking about the Lord, but I'll use it. If we've had that relationship with God, that we have, he's our father and we have walked with him and we've talked with him and we've been in his word and then we've suddenly stopped and the world seems like it's not making any sense, we can always go back and remember the rock. I can go back and remember where I came from. I can remember whose I am, whom, whom I serve. 
I know that in the middle of a storm, it doesn't matter what's going on, Acts chapter 27, Paul's in this great big storm. He told the captain not to go out into the storm. And they knew better than they knew better because they're sea they're seafaring men, seafaring men, and they went out and anyway. They went out into the storm and they didn't listen and they went out there. And Paul, after a long absence, stood. When they had given up all hope, Paul said, Be of good cheer, for the Lord stood by me this night. When Daniel was in the middle of praying, and he didn't, he was in the, he was, he was, now think about this. Daniel was 21 days of prayer and fasting, trying to understand the interpretation of a vision that he had. And he's troubled by it because what he's dreaming is like, what he's seeing in his vision is like really messed up. Like it's, it's, it's beyond what he can understand. And he's praying for the interpretation of this, of this, of this, of what God has given him. And he doesn't have it. And he's been praying and fasting for 21 years. For 21 days, excuse me. And then in Daniel chapter 10, the angel comes and stands before him and says, Daniel, stand. He's saying in that passage, stand with your standing on God. You're a child of God. He loves you. He gave himself for you. He redeemed you that you might be a peculiar people. He's zealous of good works, right? You are loved by God. So when the world doesn't make any sense, God does. So remember, remember God. Remember. If anything else, remember. Maybe even tossed to and fro with the cares of this world. Return to God. Remember him. Remember our reward. Where would we have been without the Lord? Where would we be, where would we, where would we be today without grace? Without his mercy. Without his forgiveness. Without his 17,000 million choices, chances. Where would we be? I was raised in church until my parents stopped going. I can tell you it right about the time when my parents stopped going to church. It was right about the same time the Rices moved out of the church. And I think it's because the Rices left. So Pastor Rice and his, and his dad and his family, they all left. That's what caused my family to back, my mom and dad to back. Just kidding. But, but I remember when my parents stopped going to church. And I was like, I'm going to keep on going. And I found a ride anywhere I could go. I saved up money to get on the city bus. I was a bus kid for a long time. I, was, I, drove, I did everything I could. I stayed with people all throughout this day on Sunday. I did everything I could to be in church. But I can tell you, even as a teenager driving myself to church, you know, every way I could to get to church, dragging myself to church if I had to, I can tell you there's times in my heart that my heart was far away from the Lord. I know it's hard to believe since we're on a Sunday morning in Sunday school. And we're all here, it's, you know, 10 o'clock hour, you know, that none of us have it in our hearts where we have ever strayed that far from God to where we're only here just to save face. But having been a pastor, I can tell you, <laughs> there's times, brother, there's times we drag ourselves here. And as soon as we get here, boy, the, the, the music, you know, the, the singing and the fellowship and it rejuvenates us. But you don't think pastors have it. We get it too. You guys deal with the world on a daily, daily basis. Pastor, he deals with spiritual things every day. On top of that, the care of the church. On top of that, the every day. The pressure that goes on a pastor is far above anything that we can ever comprehend. We can't even imagine it unless you've been there. It is, and you can't, what are you supposed to do? Take a week off of church? Not show up to go to church? He has no day to take off. Because on the days where he's supposed to take off, he still has to feed himself. And Mondays 
are, the, are like the pastor's quitting day. You can ask, pastors quit more on Monday than any other day of the week. Me, I quit every Sunday afternoon. I quit, I, mean, I kid you not, every Sunday I quit. I told my wife I quit every Sunday afternoon. I'd spend so much time and I'd quit every single time. What brought me back? I remember where I was supposed to be, had it not been for grace. Where, where would you be without the grace of God? I'd be in hell. I deserve hell. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth is not just saying God showed or demonstrated his love. I've always said it that way. Then I got a dictionary out, and I looked at some other definitions of the word commendeth. He stands by it. How much does God love us? I love you so much in the fact that while you were yet sinners, I died for you. I didn't wait for you to repent of all your sins. I didn't wait for you to change your life around. I didn't wait for you to start walking the straight and narrow. I died for you when you were yet a sinner. And there's no greater love for that. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Where would I be without, without the Lord? We, have, we need to remember that sometimes. Remember our Redeemer. Remember all that he's done. Remember all the past times he pulled us out of all of our troubles. The times he put us out of, this, out of the mire, out of the, out of the mire, out of the, out of the miry clay, out of the, out of the muck, and set our feet upon a rock. And just remember him and all that he's done. That'll make us come back to the Lord. That'll make us have better devotion, would it not? Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. The second thing we're going to look at today is returning to the Lord, or returning. It's not just to remember, because we can sit back like the prodigal son in Luke 15. By the way, wouldn't it be great if pastor preached a series of sermons on the prodigal son? All in favor of that, say, say amen. All right, cool. He's already doing that. Okay, great. I'm just seeing if you remembered. But anyways, um... He was there, and he's, why is he sitting there eating after the swine in Luke 15? After the prodigal son, right? The lost son. Eating after the swine. It wasn't, he was sitting there after the pigs ate everything they were going to eat. Pigs are omnivores. They eat everything. My sister was on, had a house next to a pig farm. Man, that was crazy. And you could smell it. It was just like, oh, it was crazy. And I was like, man, her, she, let her, she let her yard go hog wild. It was unbelievable. But um, I saw some things about pigs when, I, when she lived in that farm in Virginia. And one of the things I found out was they eat everything and anything. And they leave very little behind. Very little. And the prodigal son was eating after the swine, feeding on the husks. When there's nothing left, and the world has devoured all that you have, and there's nothing left, that's where he found his nourishment. And he's just sitting there scouring, just trying to find something. He stopped, and he came to himself, and he says, my dad's got employees, hired, hired servants, better than this. 
I'm going to rise and go to my father. My father is merciful. I'm not even banking that he'll take me as a son, but even if he takes me as a hired servant, I would rather serve him out of bondage, out of duty, because he still takes care of me even if, out of, if, even if it's out of duty. What he didn't realize was how much the father loved him and would redeem him as a son. But he had to get up and do something about his situation. He had to return. The prodigal son is not about salvation. I know it's hard sometimes because we like to compare it towards a lost son, but the fact is we'll never lose our sonship with God. So this wasn't about an unsaved person. This was about a person that had gotten away from the father and that he would redeem them, that he would forgive them, that he would take them back and love him and give him mercy. But he had to get up out of the pig pen. He had to return to the father. He had to repent. He had to say, well, I'll take the, pig, the pigs with me. No. He had to leave everything he had, which wasn't much, but that's where he lived day in and day out and making those choices. Not only did he have to return to the Lord and repent, but he also needed to have received forgiveness. He needed to be willing to let someone forgive him. And he needed to forgive himself. I think that's why a lot of people don't find victory. It's because they don't forgive themselves. That they forgot their flesh. That they forgot their frame. That they are but dust. They forgot that they are capable of failing. That church member who hasn't been to church in forever. They're embarrassed to come back to church. Pastor preached on this a while back. But I've already, this was already in my outline, so bear with me. It's not even so much as that we're looking down on them. It's that they're looking down on them. Because they made a bad, a bad choice. They've made a bad decision. They've made a series of bad choices. They've continued in such, a, in such a progression. But until they hate the pig pen that they're living in, until they hate being away from the father and away from the house, amen, they're not going to come back. No amount of poking, prodding, gording, no amount of ever. All it becomes is a substitute for them not coming back to church. And we need to get to a place where we return and we receive forgiveness. Forgiveness is not earned. It's given. I have got a friend. He messed up. He... He, went and he messed up on his marriage, and he went to get things right with his wife. And his wife has forgiven, but, forgiven him, but he'll never forgive himself. That marriage will never get fixed. That relationship will never be where it's supposed to be because he won't forgive himself. She's forgiven him. She's taken him back. She's working on steps. She wants to get things right. She wants to bring it back. She wants it, but he won't. He wants to on, on paper, but he doesn't trust himself. He doesn't forgive himself. He's always berating himself. There's no forgiveness in that. Get it under the blood and move on. Now, don't be flippant about it. We need to seriously be 
put up guards so we don't do that thing again. And I think that's where he was kind of thinking, I'm going to go back and be a hired servant. Where I'm going to go back and put myself under bondage to my father so I don't do this ever again. I've squandered everything. I've wasted everything. And if he'll just take me, I'll live under his thumb. I want his thumb. I want his rules. I want his regulations. I want the accountability that comes with being a hired servant. But he had so much more. The last one we got to look at is being revived. It's not enough to remember. It's not enough to return, but we also need to revive. These all start with the letter E. All right. We need to embrace God's word. It's our instruction. One might say it's our absolute. Hey, that sounds like better. A. Hey, cool. We need to go back to the word of God and let it be our authority, not our suggestions. You know, back in the 80s, 90s, Ted Turner came out with the human, the human, the, 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 um, the human manifesto, right? And the humanistic manifesto. And instead of taking the Ten Commandments, he took ten suggestions. And it was a big thing. And that's one of the reasons I can never cheer for the Atlanta Braves that long is because when I found out he owned Atlanta Braves, it was Evil Wicked, right? Turn up TBS, the, the TV station, TBS and TNT. Evil Wicked TV shows run by, TV uh, stations run by this guy, Ted Turner, right? So I was like, I can't, I can't stand the guy who's Evil Wicked. And then I found out how Evil Wicked everybody is. Anyways, um, except me. I'm pretty much the standard of righteousness there, but... Um, We need to embrace God's word as our standard, as our instruction. We need to take his word and live by it. And say, you know what? I've messed up my life. I'm going back to the user manual. Let's see what the Bible actually says. Let's see how I'm supposed to live my life. Try putting together something from Ikea. Has anyone ever done that before? Ikea? Or self-put, you know, do-it-yourself, put-together kits? I did. It was a mess. It was crazy. I remember when I was younger, my brothers and I used to put together model cars. Thankfully, never model trains. <laughs> but, um, so, the model cars were like, we, it was number two. It was nothing super intense, but we had to cut out every little piece, and we had to look at this diagram and try to figure out where every little diagram put it together. It was, I'm like, only a, only a crazy person would sit down and piece together this thing to make their own car. And then I met Sean Covert. And the guy does it for, he loves it. He puts together his own cars. You know, Sean's, anyways. But um, the word, the, the Bible is not, our, is not a suggestion. If I put the engine in the trunk and put the trunk in, I would have a Volkswagen. But if I tried switching everything else around, it would come out all wrong. But that's what we do with the word of God. We pick and choose what we want God's word to say to us. Well, that doesn't apply to me. We'll put that as an addendum. What? The whole, every, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. Everything is there for me. And I have to take his word and live by it. And we have to be diligent and, de- and devoted and disciplined to live our lives by the word of God. And it's, guess what? We're going to fail. But that's why you look under F and it says forgiveness, and we go and fix it from there. We need to embrace the spirit. He's our consolation. We're going to slip up. We're going to fail. We're going to need encouragement. We're going to need someone to come up and beside us and say, you're doing okay. It's not, look, you're doing okay. It's, it, look, 
I got gotcha. you. <laughs> it's okay. That's the Holy Spirit. He comforts us. He's our comforter. What do you think comforter is there for? For winter nights? He's there when we mess up. Sydney, well, Sydney, I used her, I used her earlier. I'll use Aisley for, for a couple seconds. Aisley, I shouldn't use our kids' minor names, but I will. Aisley, Aisley is, is, she's just, she tries, and she tries so hard to please everybody. And then in trying to please everybody, she often fails to do what she's supposed to do. You know, like Christians. And she has a hard time doing it. So I'll be, Mom, Crystal and I will tell her, my wife and I will tell her what to do. And then she'll get tied up trying to do it for something for Abigail, for Sydney, or for the, for the cats, or for the dog, or for the pet rock outside, or whatever. She'll do anything, for, and then she'll lose sight of what she's supposed to do. And then when we come back to it, we scold her, and then she gets frustrated because she did so much good for others, but she failed the first thing we're supposed to do. Brother Hamby, you're a firefighter, okay? Your job is to fight fires. That's your job. When the bell rings, get in the fire truck and go, okay? I need you to make sure to fire, make sure we have all the fire equipment, make sure we have all the hats, helmets, make sure the axe, you know, axes, make sure the, hose are, the hoses are folded, neatly wrapped, make sure they're all taken care of, make sure there's water in the fire truck, okay? Make sure we have all the adapters so we can hook it up to the to the um, fire hydrant when we need it, okay? So here we are, we're at the fire station, the alarm goes off, and Brother Hamby's out there chasing down helmets. And his job is to fight fires, right? That's his primary job is to fight fires. And we get to the scene, and Brother Hamby's back at the station. And he's got all the axes and helmets and everything he needs is trying to catch up to the fire truck. He's jogging on the street. He's causing quite a scene. You know, he's got the Dalmatian helping him pull stuff. But he's all by himself because he wasn't on the truck. He got so tied up with his other things that he forgot the most important thing. And that is to be a firefighter. We need to come back to our first purpose. We need to come back to our first love. Now, I've heard it said many times that the, the first, the, 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 main, the main thing is soul winning. No. Believe me, we ought to go soul winning. We ought to give the gospel to the lost. But that's not the main thing. Having love for one another, that's not the main thing. What is the main thing? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, strength. That's the primary thing. We need to revive ourselves back on the first roots. Go back and do the first things. Go back and do the first things. If we've slipped and we've if we've slipped and faltered on the things that we've built, go back to the foundation. Enlist. Not just embrace God's word and the spirit, but also enlist. Find your harness. A racehorse that's undisciplined becomes tame under a harness. It can't run, it won't, if, it's, if, it's, if it's, can't handle the saddle or being someone on the back, they put it in a harness. And that horse becomes a harness horse, and it pulls a harness just, just wonderfully. Sometimes it needs something to slow it down and govern it. 
We all need that. We all need something to keep us accountable. And that thing is service. We all need to enlist into a service. Find your harness. What is it that God, what is it that you can do through Anchor Baptist Church to serve the Lord and others? What's your ministry? Is it the choir? Is it the nursery? Is it visitation? Is it helps? Cleaning? What, what is it? What is your prayer? No, they could never exhaust prayer. I think I talked about that before. We can never exhaust prayer. What is your harness? What is the thing that keeps you accountable, that keeps you from straying? What is it that helps you? What keeps you from straying? I, I, I resigned the church, and I came here, and I said, I'm just going to come, and I'm going to come to church. I'm going to just come to church, and just gonna, I'm just going to come and just recover and just get myself right and get things in my life you know, prioritized and just kind of figure out where I'm going to go from there. Three months in, I couldn't stay with that decision. Find a place for me to serve. I just got to. I got to serve. It's my harness. Because if I'm only coming to church three times a week, four times a week, soon I'll only come to church three times a week. And soon I'll only come to church two times a week. But what's my harness? What's my outlet? What's my discipline? What's your discipline? The ministry keeps us accountable. Find a ministry and get involved. Lastly, we need to make sure we're involved with evangelism. Evangelism is not, is not limited to taking tracks and passing one out a day. Evangelism is not limited to putting, an, putting money into to missions on a monthly basis. Evangelism is not limited to going out and going to someone's door that you've never met before and knock on the door and tell them about the Lord. Evangelism is not limited to building a relationship with someone at work or your neighbor or your unsaved loved ones and getting it where you're comfortable enough to give the gospel to them and waiting for that magical, God-providential, just-perfect oh, moment to give the gospel to someone. That's not limited, but guess what? The gospel, it involves everything. I'm going to give you four letters that's going to help us understand how to give someone the gospel. Okay, Real quickly, I'm super, I'm super going to be quick on this one. The word arms. I like to alliterate everything. Arms, or an acronym. I like to make everything points. Arms. How many have arms? Right? Where did Napoleon put his armies? In his sleeves. All right? Everybody's got arms. Okay? So, that was, that was bad. I'm sorry. We have two arms. And by the way, did you know it's scriptural to wear short sleeve shirts? It's even constitutional. We have the right to bear arms. Right? A-R-M-S. Admit their sinners. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23. I like this. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 12 and verse 23. If you just write that down, go back in your Bible, look at the verses, highlight it, memorize it, put it to practice. Awesome. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. There's none righteous. We're all ungodly. There's none that doeth good. We don't even understand. Verse 23, we're all sinners. Can't get much simpler than that, right? Are, realize we can't save ourselves. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, 7, and 8. 
we can't save ourselves. Romans 6.23a, the wages of sin is death. What is the payment for our sin? Death. Is it baptism? No. What is the penalty for our sin? Good works? No. The wages of our sin is death. So the only thing that God is going to take is what? Death. It's the payment. The penalty that he paid is the penalty he requires is death. Right? The wages of sin is death. If I owe Walmart $128, Lord forbid, but if I owe Walmart $128, it's not going to take three candy wrappers and a lucky rabbit's foot. The tender that it takes is going to be U.S. dollars. The payment for my sin is death. I can't save myself. They can't save themselves. We need help. Admit we're sinners. Realize we can't save ourselves. M, make Jesus real to them. Make Jesus real to them. John 3, 16. Right? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Who died for us? Jesus. If we can't, if we, M is easy. If we can't make Jesus real to them, he hasn't been real to us. Amen? This is where you give your salvation testimony. This is what God did for me. Romans 5, 8. Romans 6, 23, B. And then S, simply receive. Simply receive. A-R-M-S. Would you like to receive God's gift? Would you like to simply call out the Lord today? Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Simply receive. It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's not by works of righteousness. Titus 3, 5. God promised he'll give eternal life. Titus 1, 2. John 10, I give unto them eternal life. Give, gift, just simply receive it. Arms. Everybody has a responsibility to rescue the lost, the fallen, and the deceived. But it's how you discipline yourself towards those spiritual decisions. It's how you discipline yourself. It's how I discipline myself that makes a difference. We can be like Jonah and come to the grips that we're in a situation that we're not happy with, Jonah called out to God from the whale's belly. God heard him, and God put him back to service. And it wasn't like this, okay, well, you didn't want to do that. Jonah, where would you like to serve? I'm so desperate for workers. Jonah, where would you like to serve? No. That's not what happened. God said, now go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach against it. Go. And Jonah got to running. He made a three-day's journey in one day. But he still wasn't devoted because even after God used him to save all those people, he sat there pity party, moping and moaning and groaning. Why? Because he wasn't disciplined. If you want to be anchored in the things of God, you've got to have God's authority. You've got to go through that, what we just talked about the past five weeks. If you want to be anchored, you've got to have that spiritual discipline. Let's go ahead and pray. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to spend the teach. Lord, I pray you'd bless this time. Help it, Lord, to help us all, Lord, to um, apply it to our hearts, Lord. Help us to make spiritual decisions from it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the piano plays and the altars open, discipline. Remembering the Lord, returning to the Lord. Being disciplined in the things of the Lord.
have one more verse. to a close.